0: Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. And the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You may be seated tonight. And I'm going to have a word of prayer and preach in just a minute. But right before we do that, I just wonder if maybe there's just somebody here tonight and you're literally, and I'd rather, you know, right now, let's just, let's not make it a prayer request or something like that. I know there's many prayer requests, but if somebody here tonight and you're just literally about to bust, go ahead, Amy. That's what I sort of thought. Go ahead. Hey man, hey man, hey man. We're so thankful that God intervened in Melissa's situation. That was a scary situation. God sure did a miracle in Melissa's situation. Go ahead, brother. Amen.
1: Amen. Hey. Amen. Amen.
0: Praise the Lord, buddy. Amen. Thanks, Rick. God bless you. We're praying for you, buddy. Go ahead, Debbie. Amen. 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 He's a good God, isn't he? Go ahead, Charles. Well, Steve, I just want to say what a joy it's been to see. Jesus,
1: in our midst. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: I'm <laughs> Amen. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord, brother. Amen. That's a good way to put it, man. He's just beautiful. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship him in the beauty of his holiness. I love it. I love it. Go ahead, Laura Lane.
2: Amen. Amen. And you know, when I stood up there with you last Wednesday, I think it was and I rededicated my life to the Lord. I meant what I said. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. And, and I'm just so happy that he gives forgiveness and he gives second chance. Amen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and he he gives us a wonderful thing here. Yes. And and I just love it. I love it. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. I'm gonna teach tonight. Anybody else just busting? Go ahead, brother. You, I think uh I know a lot of people don't know it, but I
1: think I had some tests and they were pretty sure she was gonna have to go back on chemo She had tests come back uh a week or so ago.
0: Oh she didn't have a cancer. Amen. Amen. I just wanted everybody to know the Lord He's still good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good report. Good report. Go ahead, brother. I love the Lord. I'm so thankful that He saved me. I don't deserve it. I definitely don't deserve it. I'm thankful that He loves me with a love that won't stop. Amen. I'm so thankful that when I'm not faithful, He is. Yes. I'm thankful when I fail Him, He's always there to pick me back up. That's right. Yes. Amen. I just love the Lord Amen. I'm for my Amen. I'm for God. God directed us by this church many years ago. Amen. So I can hear you preach the gospel. My, my way. You know? <laughs> yep. Hip. Yes. I just love them hey. right want to that wisely, we'll that's right I just want to say I love Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Go ahead, brother. Amen, Amen. Randy. God bless you. Randy's motor blew up. That's what he's talking about. And so pray. And uh, you put that on your prayer list and pray that, that the Lord would provide Randy a good vehicle. Go ahead, Sandra. <laughs> it's just, it's just a it's a Amen. Amen. just And God does it, right? That's right. right. I, that, I saw two miracles, in that, one in another one, and thinking, Wow. Right. Yes, so yes. Able it, so yeah. He's able. just Sandra. All hearts free. Go ahead, brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, Stacy. He's worthy. Go ahead, Tina. Amen. 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 God bless you, Tim. Let's do one or two more, and I'm a, I'm a preach. Go ahead, Gary. I just so I give other people a chance to call. <laughs> <laughs> I know you appreciate it, don't you? I just want to say it ain't about me. It's about my right. Lord. Amen. Amen. We all need to think about that. It's yeah. not about the church. It's not about the preacher, not about me. Not about, it's about our Lord. Amen. That's Name, yes, yes, yes. I'm just a speck of dust and
1: I never ending universe. either Guess right. what? I'm his speck of dust. That's right. And he loves me. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I question that. I say, Why do you love me, Lord? I'm just a piece of robe of flesh. I tell you every day. Yeah. But guess what?
0: Every day he has to come back. Amen. The pastor Lord, help me do better tomorrow. That's right. And he does. That's right. But I always have a stung slip Yeah. But he's just such a wonderful God. Amen. That's
1: right. It's not about us, not about me, I, they, or us. Yes. It's
0: about him. That's right. And,
1: and if you keep that in our brain, I believe we'll be
0: blessed. Amen. Don't
1: bring it down to our level. Let's go up to him if we can. Yeah. I
0: love him. Amen. I love these people. But Amen. I have to say, I love him more than he. Amen. My everything. Nobody can be my
1: everything. No man, no woman, no person, no being.
0: That's right. Not even the world can be my everything. God and Jesus, my everything. Amen. Hey, hey, one more tonight. All right, Tim, I just finish a, this up.
1: I was listening to um, everybody speak, and I want to say also that it's a joy and privilege to be in God's house tonight. Amen. The place that he's created, there's no other, there's no other place on earth that I've ever been to or been a part of that carries with me. Amen. 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 I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm saved. I'm glad that he came to where I was as an unworthy, lost sinner, just, just groping in darkness with absolutely no hope yeah. in this world. All I had was, was my existence. It's not even. Oh, yes. Um, the beginning and the ending, and beside him, there is absolutely no <laughs> uh, I couldn't get past the verse. Um, tonight I was just listening to people talk. Praise God. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Mm-hmm. But be of good cheer. Yes, uh, yes. Whatever. Amen. Amen. He
0: stands where no other one will ever stand. That's right. He stands victorious over this world. And I am glad to be in his house. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tim. God bless you. Amen. Have you been encouraged tonight? Amen. Amen. So we took time for other things tonight. But I can I can do this I can do this quickly tonight, all right? But I want to give you just a thought, uh, a thought or two tonight about what the Lord has laid on my heart. And so I want you to notice, if you will, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and look, if you would please, at verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Will you give me just a few minutes tonight before we uh, head to the house, just a few minutes to tell you what that joy was. What was the joy that the Lord was referring to here in in Hebrews chapter number 12? And with the Lord's help tonight, I want to try to tell you what I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that joy was. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us. And we'll just jump right into the Bible study tonight. We'll do it quickly this evening and try to follow the will of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for the, the wonderful spirit, the worshipful spirit, Lord, that's in this place tonight. And, Lord, over and over again, through the music, through the testimonies, Lord, it seems like the overwhelming theme tonight is you're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. Lord, you're always there for us, giving us grace, answering our prayers, helping us through our problems. Lord, helping us through the difficult times of life. And, Father, we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness tonight. Lord, we tried to worship you tonight in spirit. And now, Lord, right before we, we leave this place, Lord, if you'll help us tonight, we're going to try to worship you in truth for a few moments. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help the Word of God to literally come alive in our hearts and our minds this evening. I may not be able to give the, the folk exactly what I thought I was going to give tonight. Well, that's okay, because, Lord, you have a perfect plan and a perfect purpose And I pray you'd guide me in what to say and what to leave out tonight. And Lord, I pray that all that's done would honor Christ. And Father, I pray that it would be well-pleasing in your sight tonight. Lord, give give us your spirit. Fill us with your spirit and your power. And I pray that you'll save the lost, and I pray you'll encourage the saved. And Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, Amen. 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 What was the joy that the writer of Hebrews was talking about here in Hebrews chapter 12, the joy that was set before the Lord. What was the joy that the Lord was talking about? How could the cross be considered joyful? And most certainly I believe this, I believe there was no joy that was associated with the cross of Calvary. In fact, the Bible's very clear to point out that the cross was not enjoyed by the Lord. The cross was endured by the Lord. Not once, but twice the Bible mentions that. We notice in verse number two, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It was not joyful to go to the cross. He had to endure the cross, despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then verse 3, the Bible says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. May I remind us tonight: the cross was not joyful, but the cross was painful. It was painful. In fact, often we'll hear somebody use the word excruciating. And that word, excruciating, actually comes from the act of crucifying. That's where that word came from, uh, when people were crucified on crosses. I think about the pain of the cross, and I know that people don't like to be reminded of this anymore. They call this slaughterhouse religion, and we don't talk about the blood of Jesus very much. We don't preach about the cross uh, very much. It's not, uh, uh, you know, it's not uh, the, the power of positive thinking. It's not uh, s- a motivational. Uh, but you know how many know that we need to hear about the cross more and more? Now think about the pain of the cross. I think about the scourging of the cat of nine tails as, as they scourge the precious body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And a study of history tells us that it was not unknown for men literally to be torn in two pieces by the cat of nine tails. I think about the crown of thorns that the Lord Jesus Christ wore for you and wore for me and how it was beat down, literally it was beat down into his brow and probably protruded out of his skin. I think about the beatings that the Lord Jesus Christ took for me and took for you and then the actual nailing of the person to the cross of Calvary. Oh man, remind us tonight that the cross was painful but not only was the cross painful but the cross was perverted. It was perverted. And by that I mean this it was a shameful place. It was a place of shame. Uh, Not only was the Lord Jesus Christ mocked, not only was he spat upon, not only was he blasphemed, but it's more than likely that the precious Son of God was probably stripped absolutely naked. Now, I know you see some of these uh, renditions of these Italian artists. And, uh, and they'll paint the Lord Jesus Christ at the crucifixion and he's got a trickle of blood coming down this part of his brow and a trickle of blood coming down this part of the brow and they have him covered in a loincloth. But I want to tell you what, in all actuality, that was not the case at all. In fact, Isaiah said that his visage was so marred more than any man. He did not really, after all the beatings and uh, and the, the uh the uh, uh, canine tails and the crown of thorns and all these things, that the Lord Jesus Christ did not probably appear to even be a human being. Uh, and then after all of that, he was stripped absolutely naked. The idea was this, to remove every shred of dignity from the individual. And that's exactly what they were doing as they were trying to shame him. Uh, and by the way, may I remind us of this, that this was the thing that I'm talking about right now. This was the thing that according to scripture, this was the thing that bought The Son of God, the most. The Bible says that He endured the cross despising the shame. He did not like the nails. He did not like the crown of thorns. He did not like the scourging. He did not like the beating. He did not like the spitting in his face or the plucking of his, of his beard. But the thing that he that he despised the most was the shame and the ridicule and the embarrassment of the Son of God. Oh, listen, this is all I'm saying. The cross was not joyful. The cross was painful. The cross was perverted. But may I say tonight, the cross was private. In other words, it was a place of loneliness, a place that was solitary. Uh, There were very, very few people that accompanied the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary out of all those hundreds and thousands that he healed and that he saved and that he blessed and that he fed and that he warmed and he helped and that he encouraged. There was just this little handful of people that were at the base of the cross and so the cross was painful. The cross was perverted. The cross was private but some say wait a minute preacher but others who were crucified also suffered that pain and they also suffered that, uh, that perversion and they also suffered that privation. But may I tell you tonight what was different for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he suffer pain and perversion and privation, but Jesus Christ while hanging on the cross of Calvary. Let me tell you what's different about this death. When Jesus died on the cross, he bore the sins of all mankind. Nobody else had ever done that no ever man died like that. No ever man ever suffered like that. Jesus not only suffered the death of one, but he suffered the death and the and the punishment of all. And so the cross was very personal for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's be clear tonight that there was no joy in the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ endured the cross despising the shame. And yet the Bible says That there was a joy. There was a joy that was set before him. I want to answer that question tonight. What was the joy that motivated Christ to endure the cross? I'll just give you two thoughts tonight, and I'll do it quickly tonight. How about this? Number one, I believe it was the joy of implementation. Now, don't let that big word scare you tonight, but it was the joy of implementation. Christ More than anything else, wanted to see his father and be seated by his father, knowing that he had implemented his will and carried out his will and obeyed his will. Oh listen to me the thing that motivated Christ the joy that was set before him was this that the Lord Jesus Christ could finally sit down on the right hand of his father knowing that he had carried out his will knowing that he had done what God told him to do knowing that he pleased his father. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 24 and verse 25 then he said unto them "O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets of spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Philippians Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. Listen now. I'm gonna do this quickly, but don't you miss this. You're gonna miss a blessing tonight. You say, Pastor, what was that joy? Was it the cross? It was not the cross. The cross was painful. What was the joy, preacher? If The joy was Jesus sitting down and knowing that he had done well and that he had done the will of his father. He dreaded the cross. He dreaded the nails. He dreaded the shame. He dreaded the mocking. He dreaded the crown of thorns. But the goal and the thought of pleasing his heavenly Father and sitting down at the right hand of God, knowing I've done your will. I've done what you asked me to do. I pleased you. That thought made the cross endurable. I thought about that song, Obedience Is... The very best way to show that you believe, doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Listen, action is the key to obedience, See, and joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Pastor, what was that joy? What in the world would motivate the Lord Jesus Christ to to take those nails in His hands those nails in His feet what would motivate the Lord to receive that crowd of thorns willingly what would motivate the Son of God to, to withstand that beating and that mockery And that ridicule and that spitting and that plucking his his beard from his face. Preacher, what would motivate the Lord Jesus Christ? And this is it. The thing that motivated him was that he was going to sit down beside his heavenly father knowing that he's pleased God. And by the way, when Jesus Christ went back to heaven, did you know that he taught us that that ought to be our motivation as well. That ought to be our sole motivation more than anything else more than anything else that moves you or motivates you or inspires you or encourages you, the thing that ought to move us, the thing that ought to consume us, the thing that ought to push us on, the thing that ought to keep us going when everything's falling apart, the thing that ought to keep us motivated in a time of pandemic ought to be that I've got to please Him. I've got to please Him. I've got to do what He wants me to do. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about a church. It's not about popularity. It's all about Him. Amen. It's all about Him. And we're here to do the will of our Heavenly Father. Can I show you what I'm talking about tonight? Would you take your Bibles and turn over to Matthew chapter 25? Matthew chapter 25 and before the Lord goes to heaven He's teaching hes teaching this truth that I believe I'm trying to give you tonight. Matthew 25 and verse number 14. And the Bible says for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods and unto one he gave five talents to another two to another one to every man according to his several abilities and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money But after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Here it is, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou. Hear this, church. Don't miss this enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You say, Pastor, what was it that motivated the servant to take what he had and to multiply it and to trade it and to invest it? I'll tell you what it was. Uh, When it all came down to brass tacks, he wanted to please his master. He wanted to please his master. And his master said, well done, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Hey, listen to me, Calvary Baptist Church. Let me tell you the thing that ought to motivate you and ought to motivate me. It's pleasing him tonight that's what it's all about pleasing our heavenly father listen when you allow any other this will help you tonight when you allow any other thing to become your motivation you're headed for trouble you're headed for trouble I appreciate your loyalty I appreciate your love but if you do what you do to please the preacher it won't last if you do what you do, or are you listening? How in the world can somebody be so tuned out of a message like this? You do what you do for your wife to please. I'm not against that, fellas. I want you to please your wife. I want you to love her as Christ loved the church. But if you do what you do just to please your wife or you do what you do just to please your husband or you do what you do just to please your parents, let me tell you what's going to happen. It'll last till about 18. It'll last about 18, and then we'll ask questions. Where's so-and-so? Whether well, it doesn't come anymore. Is he reading his Bible? No. Spending time in prayer? No. Faithful to church? Not faithful anymore. Let me tell you why. Because his motivation wasn't right. Amen. You see, if your motivation is anything other than him, oh, yeah. anything other than pleasing the Father, those things, are, those things are eventually going to come to naught. And how many know this? That the devil is a professional at providing every kind of motivation under the sun. Can I show you what I'm talking about? Would you take your Bible turn to Acts chapter 5 tonight with me? Acts chapter number 5. I believe probably that there is little doubt that Ananias and Sapphira were born-again Christians. I believe they were saved. I believe they were. But we notice here in Acts chapter 5 that Ananias and Sapphira, their motivation for service became tainted. Their primary goal was not to please God. Listen to me now, what I'm about to tell you. Their primary goal was not to please God. Their primary goal was to appear to please God. Acts chapter 5, let's let's start in Acts 4 first. Let me give you a little background. Acts 4, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the pieces of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. In other words, revival is breaking out in the early church, and they're just taking care of one another like we did tonight. They're just taking care of folks that had needs and burdens and problems. and, And so... Brother so-and-so says, well, I got some land. I don't even use it. I'm going to sell it. He'd sell that land and he'd bring the price of it to the apostles. Somebody else would say, Well, I've got this thing over, you know, I've got this camel. I never use it. He sold his camel. He'd bring the money to the apostles. He'd say, Peter, you just take it and use it, however. However, you need to use it. If brother so-and-so's got a need, good night, use it for him. Amen. That's what's going on in this passage here. And the Bible says, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now the Bible's giving us a contrast here. Here was this man who was genuine. He just Barnabas, he just sold his land, not even thinking anything about it, didn't do it. To get praised and do it to get glory, but he thought, you know what? I'm going to sell this land, and he brought the money and brought it to, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But look if you will at Acts chapter five, verse one. The Bible says, "But, but, but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the price." his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get bogged down right here, but here's, here's, the, here's the story. They, they did it because they wanted to appear like they were doing like everybody else. They wanted to appear that they were dedicated. That was their motivation. They wanted people to look at them. They wanted people to say, boy, Ananias and Sapphira, they are really sold out for the cause of Christ. That was their motivation. They wanted to, to get in with the rest of the crowd. and seem like they were one of the bunch. But the truth of the matter is, their motivation wasn't pure. Their motivation should have been, I want to please him. That's what it's all about, is pleasing the Lord. Uh, listen, can I remind us tonight that the joy of implementation was Paul's motivation? Amen. Paul, ultimately Paul had one major goal, to please his heavenly father. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7 with me tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7. I'm preaching fast, hold on tight, alright? 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4 verse number 7. And Paul said, I have fought a good flight, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do you see where Paul's priority is? you see where Paul's priority is? It's not about people looking at me. It's not about me going down in the annals of history, although He did. Paul said, I've got one main priority. I've got one thing that motivates me, one thing that I, I, I'm willing to go to jail, I'm willing to go to prison, I'm willing to be beaten, I'm willing to be shipwrecked, I'm willing to do these things. Why, Paul, Paul said, because I've got a joy that's set before me, and the joy that's set before me is that I can please Him. That's what it's all about, that I can please my Heavenly Father. Can I remind us tonight that this joy was the deacon Stephen's motivation as well. Acts chapter seven in your Bibles, verse number 54. Acts chapter seven, verse number 54. And the Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing on the right hand of God, And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Somebody says, Preacher, what would convince this young man, this young deacon in the church to be stoned, literally stoned to death? And by the way, go back and read that scripture before that where... Stephen is preaching the paint off the walls and he's he's a deacon in the church and yet he's preaching the crucifixion and he's preaching the resurrection of Jesus and, and the Bible says they run upon him and they begin to gnash on him with their teeth and they begin to stone this young man and somebody says, Pastor, what in the world would convince a young man like this to be stoned to death? There was one thing and one thing only. Stephen's motivation was this, that I can please my heavenly Father. I'm doing it for him. My eyes are open. Him, My focus is on Him. My attention is on Him. Oh, listen, Calvary Baptist Church, if I can encourage you one thing tonight, make sure you get your focus on Jesus tonight. Keep your focus on Him. Don't get your focus on a church member. Don't get your focus on a preacher. Don't get your focus on a politician. You keep your focus on pleasing your heavenly Father. The joy of implementation, but we're done. But there was something else. What was that joy that would motivate, that would would encourage Jesus Christ to endure the cross for you and me? Not only the joy of implementation, but number two, the joy of intercession. Not only did Jesus look forward to being seated by the right hand of his Father, knowing that he's pleased his heavenly Father, but Calvary, listen to this. But while he is seated there, Our Bible tells us that he makes intercession for the saints. Would you look with me quickly at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter number 8. And find your place to verse number 32. Romans 8 and verse number 32. This is going to help you tonight. The Bible says in verse 32, He that spared not his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Watch now. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. If you've been watching Countdown to Courage, we've been on this a little bit. That word intercession, the word intercession means to fall in with. To fall in with. But I love this church. If you study that word out, it is the idea of interference. It's trying to say this, that Jesus Christ, seated on the right hand of the Father, interferes with our affairs. He does interfere, by the way. By the way, the smartest thing you'll ever do is give him permission to interfere. <laughs> By the way, sometimes his interference may not go exactly according to your plan or, or what you, the way you think things ought to go. But, but I promise you this, that he doesn't do anything for his pleasure, but he does it for our profit. the Bible says. I read that verse today. And just say, Lord, I don't know what your plan is. I don't understand your ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. But, Lord, I just want you to know you've got permission to interfere anytime you want to. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, knowing he's pleased his Father, but one of the other things he does is he intercedes. He interferes with my life and your life. You've heard me tell the story. Brother Howells is on his way to the airport to go preach in a meeting somewhere. He even prayed and said, Lord, there's several different routes I can take. Would you show me which route to take to the airport? He gets out on the interstate and there's this horrific traffic jam. He's sitting in this traffic jam. He's bothered. He's impatient. He's aggravated. He's thinking, Lord, I even prayed. I even asked you to show me the route to take. Lord, this pastor's waiting on me. I'm going to preach this meeting. We're wanting you to do great things. And Lord, you've let me get in this traffic jam. Doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. The thing that he didn't understand is this, that that plane that he was scheduled to get on crashed. And every passenger on that plane was tragically killed. What he didn't realize and what we often don't realize is that the Lord Jesus Christ is interfering. He's interfering in our affairs. Can I tell you something, Calvary Baptist Church? I just believe with all my heart this pandemic is interference. I believe it is God interfering in our lives, interceding in our lives. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. It don't make any sense. But Jesus is interceding. Jesus is intervening. Jesus is interfering. Brother Brian Cardwell, whom we love here at this church. We love Brother Brian. Months and months and months ago, Brother Brian was scheduled to go to the Holy Land with a good friend, and he was so excited. He had planned and prepared, and, and uh, all the T's were crossed, and the I's were dotted, and man, he was ready to, ready to go. He uh, left the airport here locally, and, and made his connecting flight to New York City, and and then he was in New York City. He was going to get on that next plane. He was going to make his trip across to the Holy Land. And as he was getting ready to board that flight, it was cancer. The whole trip was canceled. Brother Brian was so disappointed. He had to turn around. He had to get on another flight. He had to fly back to North Carolina. Miss April had to come pick him up. I mean, it was just really, really aggravating. What Brother Brian did not realize is right after that, countries literally begin to close. Many Americans who were outside of the United States after that time had a very hard time trying to get back in. Flights were hard to find. It was, uh, some, some of those folks had to stay there for days and days and days before they were able to get back to their loved ones You say, Pastor, why are you telling that story? Because I believe with all my heart that that was the Lord Jesus Christ interfering in Brother Brian's life. But also, I'm done. But also as our intercessor, Jesus acts as what the Bible calls our advocate. He speaks to his father on our behalf. Barnes Commentary said it like this, who pleads our cause, who aids and assists us, who presents our interests before the mercy seat in the heavens, for this purpose, he ascended to heaven. And I just got a huge blessing. Because we know that the throne is a busy place. And one of the things that's happening at the throne, according to Revelation chapter 12, is that the accuser of the brethren is there day. And night. In other words, the, the devil has access to heaven and day and night he's bothering God. Day and night he's accusing you and he's accusing me. What's really bad? Sometimes I give him ammunition. And the Bible says that the devil is before the Lord and he's accusing Brother Steve. And he says, boy, can't believe he did that. Can not believe he said that? He's supposed to be a Christian and he'd done that. He's supposed to be born again and he did this. He's supposed to be saved and he had this thought. He's supposed to be a good person and he did this. He's supposed to be a, a dedicated Christian and he treated his wife like this. And day and night, day and night, he's before the throne of God accusing you and accusing me. But aren't you glad tonight, Calvary Baptist Church, that we have an advocate at the throne and his name is Jesus Christ. And I can't help but believe that when the accuser says, I can't believe he did that, Jesus Christ speaks up and says, Father, he did do it. But I just want to remind everybody, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. I made the final payment. I made the payment for his sins. He's washed. He's redeemed. He's going to be glorified. Man, what a God. What a God we served him. He is our intercessor. Hey, can I ask you a question tonight? What motivates you for service? Or maybe I should ask it like this. Who motivates you for service? His name was William Borden. His mom and dad owned the Borden Borden Dairy Empire. Multi-millionaires. In a day when, if you had a million dollars in this day, you were filthy rich. They were so rich that they sent their son for a graduation present. When he graduated from high school, they sent their son on a trip around the world. And little did they know that when William Borden was traveling around the world, that God would use that trip to burden his heart for missions. He sent word back, and he said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to serve Jesus. Mom and Dad, I'm going to be a missionary. And you can see it made the paper. And William Borden said, I'm going to be a missionary. And people began to reach out to William Borden. They said, William, <laughs> what's happened to you? What are you thinking? You're getting ready to mess your life up. You're getting ready to, you're getting ready to waste your life Do you know who you are? Do you know who your mom and dad are? And they said that William Borden took his Bible. And the fly leaf of his Bible, he wrote these words, no reserves, no reserves. William Borden went to Princeton University and people still had their eye on him. He graduated from Princeton University, still wanted to go to China and win people to Jesus Christ. And as soon as he graduated, big, gigantic corporations began to reach out to William Borden. They said, William, come work for us. Come work for us. We want your name. Come work for us. We'll give you huge salaries. We'll we'll, we'll make sure that you make more money than you've ever made in your life. Come, Come work for us. And they said that William Borden, underneath those words, he wrote these, no retreats. No retreats. Just like he said he would, he left for the mission field on his way to China. William Borden wanted to reach Muslim people with the gospel. He stopped in Egypt for just a little while to begin to learn the the language, the Chinese language, and while he was there, he contracted some type of a disease. Some say spinal meningitis. And at the age of 24 or 25 years old, William Borden breathed his last breath. But they said that before he died, underneath those words, no reserves and no retreats, he wrote these, no regrets. No regrets. (laughs) No regrets. Oh, I'm telling you, God's, man, God's, he's fanning the flame in my soul tonight. And I'm sure there were some that said, what in the world? That didn't even make any sense. He threw his life away. And yet, William Borden said, no regrets. Why? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because William Borden's motivation was not money. Or wealth, or fame, or popularity, William Borden had one motivation, and that motivation was to please his Heavenly Father. Ask you a question tonight Who's your motivation? I'm sure there are some in this world right now because of all that's taking place, some that are saying, you know what, I'm just going to quit. I'm, I'm, I'm done trying to serve the Lord. I'm just going to quit. I mean, here's this pandemic and, you know, financial problems and all these things. But if you'll get your motivation right, it'll take care of so many things. If your motivation is right, you'll not begrudge coming to church. You get your motivation right, we probably can't get the doors open soon enough. That's true. You get your motivation right, nobody will have to force you to read this book. You get your motivation right, nobody's going to have to force you to pray. What was the joy that was set before him? The joy was implementing his Father's will and intercessing for you and me. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for meeting with us tonight. God helps us get our motivation right. Lord, may our motivation not be people. May our motivation not be praise. May our motivation not be money. May our motivation not be good health. Lord, as long as you'll bless me with good health, I'll serve you. Well, what if we don't always have good health? May our motivation be to please our Heavenly Father. Father, forgive us and forgive me for when I get my eyes off of you. Tonight, Lord, I pray you'd help us to refocus at Calvary and help us to put our eyes on the blessed Son of God. Have your way in the invitation. Speak to every heart. Save the lost. Encourage the saved. And we pray you'll receive glory from all that's done. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand tonight, if you would. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.